1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast. This, of course, the very special Monday pickups edition. I am merely Andy Barrens, your usual host, and I am joined by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski, newly inducted... Fantasy Sports Writers Association Hall of Famer, Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are
0: you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, thank you for that lovely intro. And just thanks to everybody who's reached out over the last week. Very just a humbling experience. There's plenty of people in the Hall of Fame who have bigger imprints on this industry than I do. And there's people who aren't who can point to what they've done matches up with what I've done. But Um, I I just my heart's very full. I feel like I've been very well treated and supported at Yahoo for the past 12 or 13 years and other places I've worked have been great. And I just want to say how thankful and grateful I am for the news. And it's just I've been on a cloud for about a week. So thanks again.
1: Yeah, we are we are going to dive into sort of our usual waiver conversation in a moment, but we just want to pause here for for a sec um, because it's not every day that someone around here enters the FSWA Hall of Fame. You and I have been friends and coworkers at Yahoo since I don't know since you started in when 1979. I think I started in 78. I don't know. It's been a long time. Uh, I think I think it's 2008 for you. Uh, right. 2007 for me. But I, I feel like just in case people who are on Yahoo's platform all the time don't know, um, that was hardly the beginning of your career in fantasy. Uh, you, you'd already been at it for a decade, more. By the time you joined Yahoo, you were with Rotowire, you were with Fantasy Guru, um, worked elsewhere. I feel like you've covered something like a half dozen fantasy sports, maybe more. I think you've been a finalist for FSWA Awards in pretty much all of them. So just, I don't know, Tell tell the people like when and where you got your start in the business and maybe who some of the early influences were.
0: Yeah, I was, um, when I got out of college, I was a newspaper reporter for a solid decade or so. I was, I was basically a de facto Red Sox beat writer for a couple of summers. I covered a lot of local sports, a lot of high school sports, a lot of college sports and some pro sports also. And like a lot of newspaper people, I mean, you, you 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 go to football games in the rain, the snow, you're doing your own stats, you're a one person crew. And it's it's a great way to learn just um, what is the crux of a story and stuff like that. So I was a newspaper person, probably was going to be a newspaper reporter for the rest of my life. And as fantasy entered my life, late 80s, early 90s, I'm playing fantasy baseball. I start playing fantasy football. I was always pitching to my editors at newspapers. Hey, this would be a great weekly column. This is really getting popular. And of course, the sport hadn't, Fantasy hadn't exploded yet until the internet came in the late nineties. So queue up the internet mid to late nineties. I was on Prodigy in the mid-90s, mid <laughs> you know, tying up the phone line, you try to call the Pienowski household, you hear the scratchy <laughs> modem noise and all that. I thought I, I thought it was so great you could get box scores before a game ended. That to me was like landing on the moon. So <laughs> so I was early to that. I was early to the pre-internet and you know, met people online, made some great connections. And that, that led to an opportunity to work for John Hansen at Fantasy Guru. Which led to an opportunity to work for RotoWire, which led to another opportunity to work for John Hansen full time. So I bounced between those two things, and th- those two shops have been really great to me. I have so many friends at at RotoWire, and I owe so much to John Hansen. Also, uh, met Michael Salfino in this in this time frame. I did some freelancing for him. I did some freelancing for Herbie Teope, who you may know is uh, is a great Chiefs beat writer and a must follow if you want the intel on the Chiefs. A bunch of people I'm, I'm not going to mention because this this would just take too long, but. But I was early to the Internet. I was early to fantasy. I was early to doing this as it it was a side project. It was a side hustle. And then it became a full time thing. You know, at at one point I I moved out to L.A. where the Roto-Wire guys were stationed at the time. Uh, I certainly worked for for John Hansen for a few years full time and stuff. And uh, so these were all great opportunities. And you know, I learned um, I'm not sure if you dug up any of my work from 1997 or 2001 that it would it would be as. Smart and as I'd like to think sophisticated as we are now. I mean, we we didn't know about so many things. There was no fan graphs. uh, There was no sports reference. There was no baseball savant. There was no football outsiders. I mean, we're we're so much collectively smarter today than we were back then. So I got a chance to make a lot of mistakes and kind of iron out my game while there weren't that many people watching or reading. But but again, once the internet came along, it was a game changer. Uh, One thing John Hansen did for me that I'll never – be able to say thank you enough. Is he introduced me to Brandon Funston? And when I was on the Fancy Guru staff, they started doing some of my work. on From Guru was was running on Yahoo. That's how I got to know Brandon. That's how it led to an interview. I you know ultimately Yahoo hired me, two thousand eight. And that's, you know this has been the best. I've, I've worked a lot of great places, and I don't mean to denigrate any of them because I'm grateful for all of them. But Yahoo has been the best place I've ever worked at. Working with people like Brandon, people like you, people like Jason Kobaka, our entire editorial staff is fantastic. The editors, you know, Maurice uh, Christillo and Matt Romig; these guys, these guys are just top-notch people. Um, all the production people who go into who do our podcast make us sound good, and you know, have great ideas like John and Brett; those those guys are awesome. There's so Sully. There's so many more I could mention. So uh, I got lucky. Um, like most things in life, it's about timing. And if you can get in early on something, I got in early on the internet, again, tying up those phone lines with the modems. I got in early on writing for fantasy when when really all you have to do is say, I want to do something and I'm willing to do it for (laughs) maybe a modest amount of pay. And they're great. You could be hired in five seconds. You know, it's a little bit more competitive now, uh, but we've never been smarter. I feel so much energy from the people who have come into the industry in the last five or 10 years. It's just so many smart people now. And if you want to keep up, you, you really get to put the work in. And you got to be conversant and modern. I mean, you think of all the stuff Matt Harmon brings to the table. You know how great he is, or you know how versatile somebody is, like Liz Loza, who's a uh, terrific. I mean, she, she covers Olympics for us for crying out loud. You, Andy, you're a you're an author. You write books. I mean, you've been you've had books optioned for movies. I mean, that's intimidating. But anyway, my heart is very <laughs> let's, full. Let's not say anything to inflate Harmon's ego. By the way, yeah, it's fair not fair point. Bad. Very fair point there, but bottom line is I, I work at a great place. I've been supported. I've been helped. I've been encouraged. Um, I've been very thoughtfully edited, which, which I think any writer appreciates. So I just want to say how much I, I feel the love of the Yahoo family. I've got some wonderful comments from, from readers and listeners over the last week or so. Uh, you know, so you have to do, you have to find what you love and, and do that for the rest of your life. What I love is sports. I love numbers. I love writing. I love competition. Fantasy sports gave me an outlet for all those things, and and I feel very fortunate that's turned into a career, and I feel extremely grateful that that career has been to some degree validated in the past few days. So again, uh, my my deepest appreciation for everybody who had a role in this, and that's a very long
1: list. You you require almost no editing. I'm just going to throw that out there. No need for you to thank editors. Um, thinking thinking football specifically, what would you what would you say the I, I, I am hesitant to, to frame it this way. What would you say the game's biggest change has been? Is it, as you as you were discussing there, is it the widespread availability of information? Um, it, is, it is the way that positional value has changed or the way we perceive the change in positional value. What's the biggest shift? Yeah, I think
0: information hits it because when I first started playing fantasy, the best advantage you could have would be reading the USA Today every day because they had some notes. <laughs> they, had, they had team notes. I remember yes. you know, if you're a fantasy yeah. baseball player, right? Oh, you bought yeah. the USA Today every March and you're like, okay, I know the spring training stuff. I, I have spring training box scores at my fingertips. I have inside information that other people in my league don't have. Now, with with, with Roto World slash NBC Edge, with, with Roto Wire, there are other news aggregators. That Of course, Twitter is a gigantic news aggregator, you're not going to bludgeon your league just because you're in the know and they're not because this stuff is just so readily available now. So it's more about how you play than just having the information and winning that. way. Well, I'm not saying you can't have an information edge, but it's man, it's so much smaller than it used to be. It used to be really yeah. easy to know things that your opponents didn't know. That's changed. It's It's more about the knowing your market behavior. Also, I mean, look, the bottom line is this the weakest manager in your league is so much smarter than they used to be. I mean, the people who didn't really know what they were doing, really hadn't done their homework, they were drafting out of a magazine, those people were dead money 10, 15, 20 years ago. But now if they link up to the right person on Twitter or the the right news information site, I mean, they're going to get steered to pretty good stuff. You know, I mean, will it be enough to win their league? That may depend on a couple of breaks. But uh, the tide has definitely risen because no longer can you just win by getting the USA Today Wednesday afternoon notes. Um and man, and I'm a little sad for that. You know, USA Today, <laughs> their tab that they would put out before the college basketball tournament, I, man, I used to look forward to that and, and go out of my way to get that. And I'd go to like a, a place for lunch and I'd just spread it out and, and devour that. And you know, things are different now. You know, and as a newspaper guy, the newspapers are still around, but new, the newspapers didn't really understand the internet game and how to adapt and, and where things were headed, and, um, you know, Andy, I was the type of guy who, you know, I couldn't wait till the paper got delivered. I'd spread it out on my on my floor, on my kitchen table. I'd eat a couple bowls of cereal uh, and, and try to figure out, you know, what, did Tony Gwynn get three hits last night or something like that? Um, <laughs> it, it's different now. We don't – I still remember what it was like to watch the ESPN Sports Center on a Sunday night to catch up to everything that happened. We already know that stuff now. Nobody does that anymore. It's all about forward spins and stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that ESPN isn't great. You know, Scott Van is. Isn't it wild now how anytime time, like
1: there can be the slightest hiccup in live scoring and there'll be like a half dozen people who yell at you. And man, like when we started playing fantasy, you had to wait a day.
0: <laughs> you know, you needed a, you needed a paper. You needed, you needed a news source that wasn't going to hit for like 24 hours. The first fantasy football league I was in was commissioned by this guy named Mike Washburn. And what we used to do, Cause he was the commissioner and I got in and I was of course the most obsessive person in the league. So what we would do is we would call each other on Monday or Tuesday and go over, we would both do the hand scoring and it was, and and it was very simple. There was no, you know, you'll be happy to hear there's no PPR um, you, you only got certain bonuses at certain rushing plateaus. Then the touchdowns were worth points. But we would match our scores. And we we took it. It was like a, a personal pride if, if you had a clean sheet and the other guy had the mistake. You know, we, we were always <laughs> like kind of razzing each other if somebody missed a two-point conversion or something like that. But uh, that was fun. Yeah, we did – you know, the first fantasy baseball league I was in was scored on my – I had a word processor. It wasn't even a computer. It was a word processor that so like I did a all of our, um, uh, I think it was a Smith Corona. It actually did. A, it was a really good job. The thing got, they got me through all my term papers and everything. You, you had a disc you could save it on. Again, back back in the day, this felt like I was going to the moon. Now somebody would look at it and be like, you couldn't get, you know, 90 cents for it at a garage sale. But You know, it got me through where I needed to go. So uh, suspiciously, by the way, Andy, I won the first fantasy league I played in a fantasy baseball (laughs) league. Was that because I was the commissioner slash stat keeper on my Smith Corona word processor? You know, we'll never really know. I'm glad the FSWA didn't do an inquiry into that league. You know, (laughs) maybe there might have been some improprieties. Maybe I made a trade that was 30 minutes after the deadline. I don't know. I'm not saying these things are true or false. I'm just saying it was a different time back then. But uh, man, did the, the ultimately what does the internet do? Right, it's a game changer. It keeps score for us. It allows us to make friends with people who live different parts of the country, different parts of the world, you you know, from fantasy football live. I mean, it's not unusual to get a question from somebody who's watching these games right. in the middle of the night because they live somewhere else yeah. entirely, you know, maybe they're a service person, you know, somewhere you know halfway across the world, or maybe they've settled in, in Europe or wherever it is. And um, so the world has gotten a lot smaller since the internet came. It's a lot better, you know, I, I think we have to train ourselves. Don't, don't think 15 minutes into every Sunday. You have to figure out if you're winning, you're losing your games. Let the, the week breathe a little bit. Um, you know, But the Internet has given me a career. It's given me the opportunity to make wonderful friends who I probably wouldn't have met in, in a different lifetime. And, um, again, very grateful is, is what you're going to get from me. I, I appreciate everybody who's who's done something that's helped me along the way.
1: I think you are potentially dramatically underestimating the uh, resale value of a Scott Pianowski game used Smith Corona, by the way, just going to throw that out there. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass you by keeping the spotlight on you any longer here, but just congratulations to you again, uh, my friend on an overdue and a
0: richly deserved honor. Thank you so much. And and if I can just say one more thing in closing, um, I'm going in with Steve Gardner, I'm going in with David Gonos, and I'm going in with the late Mike Taglieri. and I, I just I feel wonderful to be linked with all three of them, who who have just they have their own stories, their own resumes, yeah. and, and of course we lost Mike a few months ago. Man, do we miss him! But he symbolized everything that was great about our industry. He was inclusive. He was passionate. He was fun, uh, and you know I could I could sit here and talk about Steve and David also for you know for hours on end. So I, I just want to give those guys a shout out. And say how proud I am to be you know we 're going to be linked together as the class of two thousand and twenty one I feel wonderful about that
1: yeah it it 's a obviously a phenomenal class, and if there's anything that that the group of you have in common it 's uh not just the the quality of the work but the degree to which you you all have been super supportive of other people in the industry so again just a just a well earned honor for you thank you let's uh okay I'm, I'm glad i'm glad we talked that through that was really nice. Before we jump directly into pickups, and there, man, there's so much news this week. There are so many big injuries this week. Uh, we do have a handful of news items to hit at the top. One in particular um, Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy. He tested positive for COVID. Uh, he's going to be out for the team's game on Thursday against New Orleans. Schefter was reporting that there are up to eight positives within the Cowboys organization. Uh, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, this podcast, um, we're going to have more information. It's going to be a greater number. Certainly hope not. This is this is a team that was already dealing with just a medley of injuries and, and various issues. The receiving core uh, has been banged up. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, of course, was out on Thanksgiving. We've got Zeke Elliott. Just sort of limping through games now, but seemingly determined to to continue playing through a knee issue. I don't know what's your what's your read on the Cowboys right now. Nobody's it's not like anybody's coming to take that division, so they're not they're not necessarily losing ground. Uh, and maybe when everybody comes back, it's all going to be okay. Yeah, they
0: probably got a break with Philadelphia losing to the Giants on Sunday because the Eagles have a very easy schedule down the stretch. But it was presumed that they would take care of business at the Giants. They obviously did not do that. I'm excited to see, nobody feels good about injuries, but Ezekiel Elliott is just another reasonably talented running back. He's not like just this generational trample over people. He's been actually a very mediocre receiver by efficiency. And although I, I think the way they were using Elliott and Pollard was reasonable, like kind of a two thirds, one third, thunder and lightning. I am excited to see what Pollard could get done in a, in a starting role. You have to be careful with these guys, what they do in limited, you know, just because a, a back who's playing, you know, the seven to 10 touch role, you can't automatically just take that efficiency and apply it towards a starting role. It'd be like a baseball yeah. reliever, right? It's like, oh, you know, Josh Hader's untouchable in relief. What if we made him a starting pitcher? Well, his ERA would go up. I mean, he'd be asked to go deeper in games and he wouldn't be able to just throw with his hair on fire. There's some, it's, it's not a direct comp, but that's kind of what goes on with, with running backs where just because you you ran great as a, a backup doesn't mean it will apply as a starter. But I, Tony Paul somebody, the moment he was a starter for Dallas, behind his what is a good offensive line, they got their left tackle back in the Thanksgiving game, which really did help. Uh, he'd be a top 10 player for me and somebody I could easily see being a difference maker if they can't have Elliott back. It hurts to not have C.D. Lamb on the field because he's their best receiver. And Mari Cooper's a heck of a football player, but Lamb is the one that dictates coverage, tilts coverage. And even when you're not throwing to Lamb, it just helps that he's on the field. Defenses have to be concerned about him at all times. So hopefully Lamb can get back for that New Orleans game. And I'm also hoping, you mentioned the Saints. I mean, man, they were so hard to watch against Buffalo. The offense missing a lot of key personnel as well. When I I know I've wasted a lot of time talking about Taysom Hill and it's gone nowhere. Are we finally, (laughs) has Trevor Simeon done enough to lose that starting job is it? what's the story with Taysom Hill? We don't know. Cause I feel like ne- if, if Taysom Hill was the, in case of emergency break glass player, guess what? There's an emergency Sean Payton. It's time to break right. that glass. If you have a card to play, it's time to put it on the table. Yeah. We, I feel like we talked about this last week. Sometimes, you know,
1: even when, when Simeon kind of backdoors his way into a decent fantasy performance, it's the direct result of, of him, Basically, uh, playing them into a situation in which they're behind by multiple scores. I mean, it's been it, it's been a hard watch, uh, not just you know, not just last week, but prior to that. So I like I I don't understand the point of Taysom Hill if if you're not gonna you know break glass right now and and install him as the team starter. They were obviously successful with him at the controls last year. It's a somewhat different offense, but it's not like. It's not like we're talking about some elite passing game that you'd be interrupting. I mean, that just simply hasn't been there all year. It's been a low volume passing attack to all season. They were, they were sort of working around Jameis Winston uh, prior to his injury. So I, I I can see no reason why they wouldn't why they wouldn't shift to Taysom Hill. And of course, you know, maybe that's just the selfish fantasy manager talking, because we know that when Taysom Hill is is under center, it's a bit of a crapshoot for everybody else. But he's almost certainly going to be a top 10,
0: top 12 fantasy QB. I agree with that. I Also, I'll probably mention this tomorrow when we tape with Frank Schwab for the handicapping. I think I've gotten the Saints wrong every week when I didn't believe in the Saints. They've surprised me. They've beaten teams I didn't expect them to beat, but they also found a way to lose at home to the Giants. They did not play well at Philadelphia. Um, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel great about the Buffalo Saints game anyway. But Buffalo clearly dominated that from start to finish. So uh, m- maybe just my opinion on the Saints this year doesn't mean a lot. I don't think I've gotten much right with this team, but it's time. It's time for Taysom Hill, and I and I want to see it. And it's also time for Tony Pollard. And I want to see that. I, I hope that Tony Pollard. Not that I wish anything poor on on Zeke, but it's time to give this guy. 18 to 20 touches and see what happens.
1: Well, this is a this is a good segue to actually talk about the running back ads for this week. Um, and I'll I feel like we should almost break out the Dalvin Cook Alexander Madison situation separately because there was certainly in a in a week that featured a, a number of notable injuries. There was potentially none bigger than Dalvin Cook's shoulder issue, and Ian Rappaport has had basically, all of the all of the early reporting on this, Dalvin Cook suffered the shoulder injury, was carted off, seemed pretty emotional as he was getting carted off the field. It ends up being both a dislocation and a and a torn labrum. It is not believed to be season ending. But what that means is a little bit unclear, right? that could that could mean he comes back in January and is not particularly helpful uh, in your in your fantasy season. But it's not you know it's not the worst case scenario necessarily for Cook. Madison obviously the direct replacement for him. He's he's only rostered in 47 or 48% of Yahoo leagues wow. which I'm surprised by it number 1 because he's rostered in all of my leagues. Um y- usually by me. I've I we've we've talked about him a couple times on this podcast. Um he's he's been one of those guys that is just such a I don't know. I I would think such an obvious stash because the the what if scenario with Alexander Madison was pretty clear. If anything were to happen to Cook, Alexander Madison would be a top twelve fantasy running back, almost no questions asked. We've seen you know, two times this season, he's received twenty plus touches, and in both of those games, he's gone over a hundred yards. I'm not saying that he is Dalvin Cook, but you know, is he is he ninety five percent? Is he ninety percent of Dalvin Cook? You know, there's a the the difference that that five percent difference between those two players is the difference between somebody being really good and somebody being potentially like Canton level good. But Alexander Madison, when he gets a full workload, basically always produces for us. So I just think he's somebody who, if available in your league, even not knowing exactly how long Dalvin is going to be out. It would still basically be a an empty the wallet scenario for me. Um, I I would go all in for for Madison because he has the the real potential to be a, a an absolute difference maker.
0: Um, yeah, but I'm disappointed. Let me let me say one other thing about this. Um, I'm disappointed that his roster tag is as low as it is, only right. because and I, and I realize there aren't this, this many there aren't that many situations where star running back if he were to get hurt. Do we know who the backup is? And do we know that the backup is good? This is a case where Cook's a star. We know Madison's good. We know he's the undisputed backup. And it turns out as the timing plays out, they get Detroit this week, who Madison has already started against twice, and he's put up pinball numbers. He's put up over 100 and end zone visits in both of them. We know Detroit is a team with a lot of problems right now. So it's hard to imagine Madison won't go off in this week 13 game. There aren't that many situations. Pollard and Elliott would have been another one, although Pollard had a little bit of standalone value. You couldn't play Madison until Cook got hurt, probably in a standard fantasy league, where I I know in some leagues last week I had to play Pollard. There aren't many guys like this who apply. There's just a handful of them around the league, but Madison was one of them. And I'm trying to think, maybe you can tell me if, if you can think of anybody... Who would be? Is there another Madison out there who's underserved in our market? He's the clear backup to somebody in a strong running game. I'm having trouble coming up with any name off the top of my head. 10 years ago, we would have had like 15 guys who fit this suit or 10, 10. I mean, (laughs) we we could have done a whole program on it, right? But because team backfields are so splintered now, it's a lot of times when a starter goes down, we don't even know who the guy is, right? Or or then you see some teams are just recycling. You know, Baltimore's trying to find a running back. Uh, we've seen Tennessee struggle to to find some footing in their running game, although they had a, a nice hit. It looks like with Hilliard last week, but this you know, this past week. But there aren't that many guys like Madison. Who I just feel like he should have been rostered. Now I get every some formats are different. You may play in a very small league where I can get that Madison wasn't rostered. He's yeah. certainly not available in any of our leagues. But this is a rare case where all the all the check all the boxes were checked where Madison had everything we look for in an understudy running back. And that's why he was, especially at this time of year, I often talk about, I'm not a running back insurance guy in August, but I am an insurance guy. I think around Halloween is kind of where I draw the line where it's like, I got to make sure I have my everything, you know, covered my eyes dotted, my T's crossed. So this, this was a case of, and I know it helps nobody to say you should have already had them. I, I get there's no satisfaction from that. Just understand that there's only a few players where this applies. Madison was one of those guys. Well, the other the other major
1: injury coming out of this week uh, at running back, obviously Christian McCaffrey and news breaking just on Monday that he is the team has announced that he's actually going to be out for the season. Uh, So it was an ankle injury, uh, but barely active in the in the second half of that game. He was in a boot afterwards. And now we have to decide if we also think that Chuba Hubbard is part of that conversation in terms of being somebody that you just like. I think it's easy to just say, OK, if I, I'm going to go all in on two players in in waivers this week and whatever I have, I can throw at Madison and my plan B would probably be Hubbard. I guess I don't view Hubbard in the Panthers situation generally as being quite as ripe as uh, as the Vikings offense and and. I I suppose I have a few more questions about, about Hubbard's talent level relative to Madison's they're headed into a buy this week. And then they, and then they come out of it and you've got, you know, you've got a pretty, you've got a pretty significant runway for, for Hubbard there. I, again, I don't know that I put him in that same classification as, uh, as Madison, but I do think he's another guy that we basically have to go all in on. I agree.
0: And with McCaffrey, it underscores, A star running back is always closer to the end of his relevance than we ever want to imagine. I mean, yeah, think of Todd Gurley's career arc where he was on all the magazine covers just a few years ago and now he's not in the league. Or David Johnson was like that. Le'Veon Bell was like that, right? I mean, who couldn't even stick with Baltimore team that is screaming for anybody at running back who can play They kicked the tires on Bell and and then just kind of walked away from it. The shelf life for a running back, it, it used to be, we used to get nervous when these guys hit 30 now we're just nervous when they hit their second contract right when because yep. it's just so hard to stay healthy it's so hard to stay productive so just keep keep that in mind that you know if you're playing keeper formats dynasty formats that you really need to skew extremely young at the running back position and the moment that the, the top, you know, um Saquon Barkley right i mean are we at the end of the Saquon Barkley relevance he hasn't looked right all season i actually think booker i don't know what booker's roster ship is right now i'm sure it's lower than it should be just because he's a guy who was easily going to absorb 13 to 15 touches, I think in weeks when Barkley isn't healthy, and I, I don't think Barkley's healthy right now. I, I Booker is a guy I would want rostered anywhere I could. So just keep that in mind that it's McCaffrey dominated fantasy two years ago, right? And uh, I, I don't know that his career is over. Or, you know, his fantasy relevance is over. He's not going to be the first pick in drafts next year. I think we all know that. But just remember, it's always later than you think. It's it's like when you travel to a different time zone. And you know, maybe you're a West Coast guy, <laughs> and you travel back east, and your body thinks it's yo, know, it's like seven eight o'clock at night, and, and the clock you're know, nine o'clock at night, and then the clock says midnight. You know that, that's kind of the way running backs are. You think it's nine o'clock at night, and it's really midnight. Uh, as far as Hubbard goes, I he, he I think he's like a league average player. I, I don't think he's anything. There's no special attribute to Hubbard's game. He was famously drafted because Matt Rule's wife thought he was a good player in college, and that that enabled them to take a second look at him. And this Carolina offense has problems, right? They have a quarterback who right now isn't particularly accurate. He may be somebody who steals goal line rushing, which would take out of Hubbard. I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know who Carolina off the top of my head plays next week, but I think Hubbard's not not an automatic starter. This is not a Madison situation or a Pollard situation where the moment they get elevated, you would start them, no questions asked. I don't think you'd even be asked about them on Fantasy Football Live or in the chat that I do on Sundays. Hubbard is a, okay, I'm glad I have him. Maybe I start him, maybe I don't. Yeah, he has averaged three and a half yards per carry for the season, obviously
1: hasn't taken on the same receiving workload that we would have imagined for Christian McCaffrey or that a healthy McCaffrey would have have seen. Um, They come out of their bye with a matchup against Atlanta, which is fine, but then it's Buffalo and then it's Tampa, so it's tough sledding. He is a player that's in line for, you know, 20 plus touches behind a a really messy offensive line. But I think we're in the same place on Hubbard where you you kind of got to do it. Um you certainly have to do it if you were if you were tied to Christian McCaffrey. Um and, and you know, good luck finding another player who's in line for 20 touches, 20 carries in any given week. Like they're just they're just not out there, right? So you you basically have to be the way I prioritize these two main ads, I think, is is obviously Madison first and then and then Hubbard second. And I understand why Hubbard is so widely available and he's available in about 70 percent of Yahoo leagues right now, because um, as soon as McCaffrey came back, um, Hubbard's value just absolutely evaporated. But he's right back in the game and he's sort of in our fantasy plans. But just keep in mind that the that the schedule is a bit rough. I think uh, I think the other guys that we need to discuss here and and again, somewhat separate category. Right. We also had we also had a DeAndre Swift shoulder issue uh, that does not certainly seem as serious as Cooks. So the other guys that we have to talk about, Jamal Williams, stepped into a pretty big workload on Thanksgiving. Matt Breida kind of popped again. Right. Um, He's interesting. Zach Moss was actually inactive in that game and, and Breida was sort of the you know, I phrase it however you want, the the one or the 1A uh, alongside Devin Singletary. Uh, he's, he's scored touchdowns uh, in, I want to say it's three touchdowns now in, in his last three games. So he's got a little bit of value or as much value as a Buffalo running back can possibly have. You mentioned Dontrell Hilliard. He's going into a buy. I think he's pretty interesting though because he's a he's a fully capable receiver, went over 100 uh, rushing yards, certainly passed the eye test, had a big gain, to my eye, he's he's simply a better runner than Foreman. We could disagree on that, I guess. We probably don't. I don't think we do. Foreman has been, I I think, quite often a, a rough watch. Who who. I mean, I think you also have to probably tie yourself to Foreman if you'd been, a, if you'd been invested in, in Henry at all, right? Like, he's still getting carries. He's still getting touches. I don't think that's going to change. But I think that's going to be perhaps even a three-man committee when they come back from the bye, right, if Jeremy McNichols uh, is, is presumably over his concussion symptoms.
0: Yeah, right. when, when the case with Breeda, anytime you can take a nebulous backfield and go from three to two, so, so Moss did not play as you mentioned on Thanksgiving night, which means a three-man backfield became a two-man backfield. Used to be in back in the day, it was the the goal was to go from two backs to one back. We hated the the running back by committee. Now most teams like to have a running game with with two backs who are going to get projectable volume going in. It's when the third back is interspersed there that things get complicated. So Breda becomes fantasy playable if we can reduce this to two running backs. Buffalo won the game at New Orleans. They won it convincingly. Breed is popped for three straight weeks. I don't see any reason why, again, their showdown game against New England, why they wouldn't go with Singletary and Breed and Moss be scratched again. And, you know, assuming nothing happens this week in the practice reports and all that. I think that's their plan. I think Matt Breed is very playable. I, I actually tried to add him in the Charles Robinson league. I did add Breida a couple of weeks ago. And then because i I have Baker Mayfield in that league. I felt I needed to have Case Keenum because Mayfield's got like 17 things around yeah. them right now. And so I had to make a tough cut. I had to cut Breida uh, in advance of last week. I didn't want to do it. And then we scored a touchdown. I was kind of sick about it, but um, because Buffalo is going from three to two, that makes Breida valuable for sure. The thing with Jamal Williams is that Detroit offensive line, uh, one, they can't block. And two, they make up for their inability of to block by actually holding. I mean, I have you ever seen? I, I was convinced that the officials. I know complaining about the officiating is is not particularly fun, but there's so many holding calls on Thanksgiving, and yeah, you know, the, the, the Lions, um, you know, they, they they pretty good job of getting their hands on the jerseys. And it's not like they're playing the Ch- 1985 Chicago Bears; they're playing the 2021 Chicago Bears. A, a decent defense, but um, but I think Williams might maybe he, his power running ability and ability to bounce off tackles. Maybe he can do better with this offensive line than DeAndre Swift could. I'm not saying he's better than Swift. They're different stylistic runners, but bottom line is this. Williams probably has project projectable double digit touches going into the coming week. Um, What do they get Minnesota this week? Again, Madison's going to go off on the other side of that, but you can tell yourself a story that Williams could get, 10, 12 carries, maybe a handful of catches and there are, that's going to, what's it going to make him like running back 19 or running back 22 or something. I mean, that's going to make, him I think it was also pretty
1: clear when, when Swift was
0: healthy in that game that Williams was going to have a pretty significant role. Great point. Great point. So it, it's not going to be the prettiest thing. You may not want to watch it and you may just have to hope that maybe Williams falls into the end zone at some point, you know, get some touchdown deodorant in your life. But He's going to have double digit touches this week and there aren't that many running backs we can ever say that about with confidence before the games are played. Yeah. Those are players who become fantasy valuable. So I think you have to throw some money at Breida. You have to throw some fab resources at Williams, even if it's, you know, you're doing it without a net here. The, these guys have zero floors. Matt Breida could get four touches. He can he that up significant injury history which is partially why he's bounced around the league so i i can't guarantee you that breed is a sure thing none of these sure you know madison probably a sure thing these other guys are not sure things but uh, in in the case of hubbard too they don't play this week so you you bid on hubbard you're gonna have to wait a week for a player who may be a league average running back but you know you have to play to your situation and um, we always need running backs it's just what you, ex- what's playable at running back two or at flex, has just come down so much than what it was three, four or five years ago.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. And I think, uh, again, Madison is just the absolute clear priority here. If, uh, if he is still available in your league, can we, before we, before we transition to quarterbacks, can we just, can we just pause to appreciate, uh, Joe Mixon? He's, he's a guy who's carrying me in a, in a couple of different places and he's, you know, he's one of those guys that I feel like a lot of people were out on coming into the coming into the season. People had had kind of sworn him off because they had a a bad taste from last year. That guy has scored twice in each of his last four games. He is averaging a career high 84 rushing yards per game. The man has handled 62 touches in his last two games, which is just not something that you see in the current era. Uh, And he's got he's got like five games with at least four receptions. He's been He's been one of those correct answers from the from the first round and second round. And at running back, there haven't been that many of those. Right. We've already talked about a bunch of guys who've who've dealt with injuries. So Mixon has just been terrific. And he's man, he's he's this good when Cincinnati wins and when they lose. That's you mentioned, you know, teams that that you have a very difficult time getting a read on earlier. That's been the Bengals for me. It's not like I can call what the Bengals are going to do week in and week
0: out. But pretty much every week, Joe Mixon makes noise. Yeah, I've had my missteps for the Bengals, too. I mean, I, I wrote them a love letter in my Sunday column after they beat Baltimore, and they celebrated that <laughs> by going and losing to the Jets and then playing a, a very ugly game against Cleveland. So, I, you know, I'm like, okay, can I really trust the Bengals? And since then, they've beaten the Chargers. And, I, man, did they absolutely just woodshed the Steelers. And it's it's just hard to watch that Steeler team right now on both sides of the ball. You know, with Mixon, I think he's been screened by early in the year, Derrick Henry ran the running back position. He was all the rage and you know, offensive player of the year favorite and all that. And, you know, the debates, is he an MVP candidate? No, a running back can't win it, blah, blah, blah. And since he's been hurt, Henry's been hurt, Jonathan Taylor's taken over, right? He had that 50-plus point game last week. Those are extremely rare. There's been like nine since the merger, even yesterday against Tampa Bay, Monday the Sunday game. Taylor wasn't at his best. He, st- he still got, what, you know, 100 total yards or so and another touchdown. I mean, that, that's that's a quote-unquote bad game for Jonathan Taylor now. He's going to probably right, end up like running right. back nine or something on the week. That's how dominant he is. So Mixon has been screened by those stories. Um, but the thing with Mixon is I never know, like when I'm doing the – when I have running backs on Fearless Forecast, I never know if Mixon, if it's going to be like a five-catch game or a one-catch game. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to when he gets used – In the passing game, but here's the thing. Bengals have a plus offense. Burroughs had a a nice season. Not not perfect by any means. It's been a year where we haven't had quarterbacks with high floors the way we usually do. But the Bengals have an offense that's better than average. And when they get to the three-yard line, they're not messing around. The ball is in Joe Mixon's belly, and he's getting two or three chances to punch that in. And we know how important it is to have that. And P. Ryan is, you know, he's their clear number two. This is not a a 70-30. This is not a 65-35. This is like a a 90-10. This is the Joe Mixon show. And the offensive line, I I still don't think it's great, but at least it's improved. I mean, last year it was such a sieve. You you can argue that line contributed to to Burrow getting hurt. You know, Burrow maybe held the ball a little bit too long at times wanting for things to develop. But uh, bottom line, you, you said it right. Joe Mixon, there haven't been a lot of right answers at running back, certainly in the early rounds. Joe Mixon is just about the best second round pick I think you could have made this year. Right? Depending on whether or not Austin yep. Eckler got into the second round, he's been great too. I give a lot of that credit to the the Eckler's Edge show on Yahoo, which is, which is great between <laughs> Austin and, and Liz Loza. I, I, Loza I, I keeping told, him healthy. Yep. I told that to Loza privately. I said, "Hey, way, way to go, inspiring Austin Eckler to have a career season." I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure a lot of that is your input. I'm, I'm sure they, you know, their play calling runs through your uh, your Zoom call on on Thursday, but. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Joe Mixon, and uh, I have very low shares of Mixon. Um, it hasn't been, I'm not benefiting from this, but for sure, he's at a position where there's very few right answers. Joe Mixon is, is just about at the top of that list.
1: I feel like he's one of those guys that the you know and it, sometimes it feels like the fantasy community is is split a little bit into the uh you know into the into the more uh analytically inclined folks and the and the tape watchers right the the people who who just watch every snap of every game but I I'll just say it's been a pleasure to watch pretty much every carry of Joe Mixon's career, because even like even in some pretty rough years, like when when nothing went well for Cincinnati, it that guy that guy always had a knack for um and would still have a knack for being like, you know, he can be met in the backfield by like two guys and produce the most miraculous, like two-yard gains that would be, you know, that would be pretty significant losses for other runners. Like you could just always see it. He's good. Like he's he's legitimately good in my mind. He's not a guy who's benefiting from uh, situation or team context so much as he's just a very good player who has finally found himself in a really productive offense and is doing what he always would have done, in my opinion.
0: But what makes things tricky? I talked earlier about how running backs careers are always closer to the end than we want to admit this is season five for Mixon, right forget the forget the age because you know players come into the league if you're any good in college you don't stay four years so these guys are are getting and look they should the moment you realize you're going to make your first fortune you should get out there and earn your money you have such a limited earning window i don't blame anybody for why you know college basketball when when we were in college you know the the best players were staying for three or four years now it's like the moment you're nba plausible get in there and and earn the money while you can i don't begrudge anybody doing that but so don't tell me oh he's Mixon's only 25 he's got five years of mileage under his belt so i'm curious i mean how long would you feel comfortable taking him as a top five pick next year
1: No, no. Um, (laughs) You know, I just I just said a bunch of really nice things about him. But uh, but no, I don't think I'm going to be in on him as a top five. I don't even know what the top five are going to look like beyond, you know, beyond Taylor. Um, We'll have to see how this season ends. But, you know, I, I feel like we can probably roll McCaffrey out of the top five. We can certainly roll Barkley out of the top five at this point. Dalvin Cook's going to go into next season with two damaged shoulders. Um it's there's going to be some upheaval there and there's going to be a great desire to uh I think probably load up on on receivers at the at the top of the first round. So
0: who 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 would uh, they be? If if I told you in a keeper league you could keep one receiver right now at no specific cost. He's just on your roster. Who would you take? Um yeah, it's
1: rough. Uh it it is probably still Tyreek, but I could make a case. You know, if it's if it's a Dynasty League, if it's something where I can keep players indefinitely, is it Justin Jefferson? Is it Ceedee Lamb? Um, I think those guys are are both in the
0: conversation for sure. Say if the one shot deal—it's only a one year thing—would would, Devonte Adams or or Cooper Cup enter that conversation? Cup perhaps more so than Adams.
1: I mean, I think Adams is as good at his job as anybody in the world is at their job. Um there's just a little bit more uncertainty to the to the quarterback spot for Green Bay, right? Like who knows? Like Green Bay might just be the the NFC favorite right now and of course if they, you know, if they roll through the Super Bowl. <laughs> can you can you really can you really let Aaron Rodgers go? Could that really happen? Maybe it could happen. Um but if if that were to happen, it would obviously change things uh for Devontae. So it's hard to it's hard to really plant your flag there right now. So for me, it's probably it's
0: probably Tyreek. Man, I'm really a Jefferson guy. I love that Minnesota, they haven't gone all in with peppering Jefferson, but at least he's finally like that the 8 to 10 targets are coming standard now, where there used to be games where he might get 4 to 6, and that's just a sin. I would have no problem if they just said, look, he's going to get 13 looks a game. He, there's no right way to cover this guy. He's so dangerous on crossing patterns. He, he can go over the top and... And catch passes. I think our own uh, Pam Maldonado had a, an over longest catch for Jefferson prop that hit this week because it hits almost every week, right? I, I don't know why the <laughs> the market is giving this to you. I don't know when it's going to correct. But at some point every week, he's making a big play. And you know Kirk Cousins is a plus quarterback, having one of his better seasons. I know people can get – they don't always have the, the biggest – Had a faith, wild but, week. Had a wild week. And you know Minnesota, man, you talk about a narrow usage tree, right? It's whoever their starting running back is. Thielen gets the goal line red zone work. Uh, Jefferson is the downfield guy who can also score touchdowns. They throw a, a couple of passes to Conklin. They call today. They are not fooling around with fourth receivers, with second running backs, with fullbacks, with, you know, uh, their offensive scheme isn't, oh, let's look how cute we can be to get you to a touchdown to somebody you've never heard of. The Vikings are like, okay, we know. Here's our list of guys. They are the French Laundry. They make six things, right? The French Laundry <laughs> or something like that. The Vikings make three things. It's the running back. It's Jefferson. It's yep. Thielen. It's all you know, distributed by Cousins. We know where the ball's going, and that can be a very reassuring thing for fantasy. Well, let's talk about a handful of potential
1: quarterback ads this week. There, we, we have four teams on by. Probably should have hit this earlier. We have Cleveland on by, Green Bay, Tennessee, Carolina, so basically one quarterback that you were really leaning on in fantasy. Aaron Rodgers off this week. I didn't write up a whole ton of quarterbacks this week because it would have been the same sort of usual suspects that uh, that I've mentioned a few times before, but I will throw Tua out there again. Tua has been, like, weirdly accurate over the last couple of weeks. I think he's completed about 84% of his passes over the last two weeks. He's obviously found something with Jalen Waddle. He's great. Um, He's got the Giants coming up, which not the friendliest matchup so far this season. And they obviously had their way with with Jalen Hurts this past Sunday. Aside from Tua, uh, a guy that we mentioned last week who just has an incredible closing stretch of games, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's about to get Seattle, then Cincinnati, then it's Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. It's a really nice run at the end of the season for him. And he's basically settled in as somebody who can give you, I don't know, a couple touchdowns per week. It's great receiving core. um, Very bankable stats there. I'll toss Matt Ryan, I guess, into the mix. He's got Tampa Bay. Beyond that, I don't have a lot of hope
0: to offer the people. Let me first say I'm not in the Matt Ryan business. I. i I don't want any part of it i I didn't mean to taint you with that no yeah it's it's been great look i mean they they have the skeleton key with Cordero Patterson, but they can't seem to get fits going. Obviously, Ridley's been unavailable for a while. Mike Davis hasn't turned into anything every once in a while. one of the secondary receivers will score with the Falcons. Good luck figuring out if it's a gauge week if it's a zackiest week uh, so i'm gonna I'm gonna dismiss that. I would have given you a very enthusiastic Garoppolo. Endorsement. Unfortunately, it sounds like with a groin injury, Debo Samuel is going to miss some time, and he has become. And look, Elijah Mitchell's great, and you know, I know we're not here to say anything but glowing things about George Kittle. His blocking was fantastic. I, I hope you were in a points per block league or points per pancake <laughs> league because he was just running. This is the offense that Kyle Shanahan wanted, where they're going to physically, they're going to run the ball. Dominantly, They're, they're going to be creative with their running game. And, and Debo, I like to mention Debo and Patterson together because I think this, was, this league is headed where we're going to have more players who are hybrids where they get the ball in the passing game, they get the ball in the running game, and then people complain to us, how come Debo is not a running back, blah, 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 blah. But unfortunately, when you take Debo Samuel off the field, it changes my outlook on Garoppolo significantly because he's such a difference maker. And granted, lately it's been Debo getting handoffs and Garoppolo gets nothing from that. He has to go to the Patrick Mahomes school of thought, give him that little shovel pass so he can get all the cheap yards when you give it to to Debo. But that makes me like Garoppolo less than Tua. I admit, I've gone back and forth on Tua. I've done some Tua flip-flopping. But he looks comfortable right now. That defense is playing a lot better. I mean, hats off to Brian Flores, right? I mean, he made Lamar Jackson look really bad a few weeks ago. They may have ended the fantasy-relevant portion of Cam Newton's career with that game on Sunday. And Tua getting comfortable. He's got something good going with Waddle. The other skill talent is good. Gusecki's a good tight end. You know, Gaskin is at least a capable pass catcher. I think I'm I think I'm actually back in on Tua and I, again I've flip-flopped on this. I mean maybe I'll be dissing Tua in a week or two, but um of the guys you listed, uh, Tua would be the player I'd be going after.
1: Yeah, two things you hit on there that I that I want to underscore. Number one, the the dramatic change in the in the Dolphins defense. Basically since the since the calendar flipped to November, they've produced I want to say three double-digit scoring fantasy weeks for us, um just piling up. Takeaways and sacks—they've been really, really good. It's basically the, the version of the Dolphins' defense that you expected coming into the season, and and Coach Flores is obviously a huge part of that, and and has done it. Like, what a what a wild sort of roller coaster season they've had too. You know, they don't they don't leap to mind in the same way that like the Bengals do or the Broncos do. But man, um, Miami has certainly seen their their ups and downs this year. But they are a, a, you know, if if I had to, you made me name one pickup priority for the for the week ahead and maybe for the few weeks ahead it's probably Miami they've they've been really good and also you hit upon uh, both debo and Cordero Patterson as uh, these sort of hybrid receiver running backs. Again, Scott and I, we don't control position eligibility. I wouldn't expect it to change for Debo Samuel. Um, maybe that's something that gets revisited depending on how the Niners list him for next year. But what I do want to shout out is our uh, for our friend and former colleague Doug Farrar wrote a really fun thing for USA Today on the uh, the. I don't know if we can call two players a trend but the the this notion of running back receiver hybridization is really is really good I retweeted it you can find it in Doug's feed my feed whatever it's really interesting any any he takes it back to uh, some guys who basically did the same thing, like in the 1960s. This is not, you know, this isn't new stuff to have like a, a gifted ball carrier, um, both out wide and in your backfield. There were some interesting comments from Shanahan in there as well about about the ways that it can stress a defense and the way that they can move around a chess piece like Samuel to attack certain matchups and avoid. I'm thinking
0: about Lenny, Lenny Moore, I guess was the player in the 1960s who fit that who. who some people would say was the pre-evolutionary Marshall Falk, right? You know, just he's everything everything this guy does on the field is gonna scare the pants off the defense. Yes, right, right. He he
1: uh, name-dropped Johnny Morris too, which for Bears fan, that was that was great to see. So this is this is definitely something that has existed in the in the NFL before, but it is a it is a fun trend right now. And obviously it's they've found a way to maximize the the potential of those two players. Let's uh let's dive into the wide receivers because it's kind of a it's kind of a fun group. I'm going to recycle some names here that we've talked about before, but these two guys at the top are just playmakers. Um I, I we got to start with Kendrick Bourne who is coming off a two touchdown game and I don't know which highlight was better. Like I don't even know why this guy is producing at this level to be perfectly honest. He's available in almost 80% of Yahoo leagues and I kind of get it because in a standard week he sees like four or six targets, right? It's this is not a high volume situation. It's not like he's Mac Jones's number one guy, but my goodness, he is making plays. Um, the, the two touchdowns on Sunday were just absolutely phenomenal efforts. So he's been really fun. He's also passed for a touchdown this year. He gets a lot of rushing opportunities. So maybe he'll have one of those seasons in which he gets a passing score, a receiving score and a rushing score. I always like to see that um Van Jefferson is still out there in a majority of Yahoo leagues. He had another long touchdown uh, against Green Bay. It, it, he never comes off the field. He plays like 90% of the snaps. Uh runs a route anytime he's on the field like I I feel like Van Jefferson should be scooped up in something like 70% of leagues, but it hasn't happened yet. The other guys I mentioned in the in the column, um, this, you know, I almost feel I almost feel bad about this because he's not a high volume guy anymore. But uh, but T.Y. Hilton's got a matchup coming up with uh, with Houston. And I always like going through T.Y.'s historic game log against Houston. It's crazy. He has something like eighteen hundred career receiving yards against the Texans. He has just absolutely owned that team, like literally has over 20 percent of his career fantasy production against the Houston Texans is really hard to bet against him when he sees that team. Um, I think we can consider Russell Gage kind of a deep league PPR play at this point. He's got Tampa coming up. I think he's seen something like 15 targets over the past couple weeks. And I'll throw I'll throw Deshaun Jackson out there as a as a possibility because he's facing the football team uh, in a week's time. He's obviously a big play guy and he's probably going to see more targets than he has at any point this year.
0: Yeah, I mean touchdown for Jackson on Thanksgiving and he should have had a touchdown the previous week if he doesn't catch the ball and run the wrong way. So he's he's still I mean look, he, is he running the whole route tree no. Is he playing every snap? Absolutely not, but he's still running by people. We like that. You know, Jefferson had the touchdown at Green Bay and he should he just narrowly missed a second touchdown. I think he had From a flip, cup. like a, yeah. just a couple toes out of bounds, but so there he and, and he's the reason why Jack by Jackson was expendable is they they thought Jefferson was stepping into a role. And then, and then of course, when they got Beckham, Woods got hurt. So uh, never comes off the field. Matthew Stafford's playing through a laundry list of injuries right now, but he's still healthy enough to play. Ben Jefferson has graduated. He, he should be the, a guy who easily a wide receiver three in anybody's fantasy league and in a deeper league, maybe a wide receiver two in a couple of my deeper formats. I, not only do I have Jefferson, I'm not even thinking about him every week. He's automatically in my lineup. You know, Bourne gets latched on to the, the rookie quarterback. who has been playing well. The Patriots have started to slowly. It, it's a gradual process, but they're adding more to Mac Jones's plate. It's no longer a, a case of hiding him or even asking him to manage the game. They're letting him throw the ball downfield more. Kendrick Bourne has been the beneficiary of that. Certainly playable. Remember Buffalo, I know they have a good defense. But they lost Tredavious White, who is their yep. star cover corner. He's out for the season, so you would think there'd be some more operating room for the Patriot receivers. Uh, Jefferson's my star add here. I can add Bourne proactively. I can add Jackson proactively. Uh, Hilton and Gage are guys I'm, I'm really not going to get behind, unless in case of desperation. You mentioned how Hilton has owned Houston. Uh, our friend Evan Silva uh, of Established the Run, who at the time was at Roto World. I remember one week on his matchups column, which is about as— long as the Old Testament. I mean, he just, he just this guy breaks out everything. Uh, one week, his his article was called One Night with Hilton because he was guaranteeing that Hilton was just going to absolutely dominate uh, the Texans that night. And he did. I think, I think Hilton scored three touchdowns. It was a Sunday night game and, and T.Y. Hilton was open just the entire game. They just couldn't cover him. And so, I'm generally not a huge fan of like player versus team history unless there's a lot of games. It's like an interdivision matchup. You play twice a year, that type of thing. That's when I will look to player history. Obviously, this applies here, so maybe I can give Hilton a one week pass. I don't think he's any kind of a long term add, but and, and there's not much I can say good about the Houston defense other than it's probably better in the Houston offense. I'm glad you didn't mention a Houston running backs by the way in fact i think we've got houston free on this podcast which is nice i think people will appreciate that and we're going to go some other team free uh you'll notice there are no broncos in the um, in the pickups <laughs> column usually take, tim, patrick, week off. tim patrick green room has been closed it's it's being it's being repainted it's being remodeled we, we might make it into a little like a billiard and a foosball room or something like that <laughs> maybe throw in a ping pong table there but um, we are not going to tell you this week to pick up tim patrick I have nothing new to say about the
1: tight end position, really. Unfortunately, Dan Arnold suffered a, a knee injury. It's an MCL sprain. This, this is going to be multiple weeks. He, he'd been sort of the waiver gem from from recent uh, podcasts, from from recent weeks. That story ends abruptly. The only ads that I mentioned in the column, the only potential ads were Cole Komet because he's coming off an 11 target game. And at, at tight end, if you see 11 targets, I got I to gotta offer a buck or two. And then the possibility of Foster Moreau seeing any sort of action against the Washington football team is interesting to me. Darren Waller had a knee injury, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be particularly serious. I think I read that it was an IT band situation, which is really, you know, that's something that I would expect, expect him to play through.
0: I feel gross mentioning this, but I have to point out that Jack Doyle has um, scored three touchdowns in five weeks and he does have seven, I think 17 targets in his last three games gets Houston Knowing the way the Colts operate, Doyle could have one target, you know, one catch for seven yards this week. Yeah. There's no floor here whatsoever. But at least he's been comfortable with Wentz. And you know, I thought Wentz had a, a typical Carson Wentz game. There was some bad plays. He took some bad sacks. He threw one awful pick. He threw a, a pick at the end of the game that he had to throw because they needed a Hail Mary. But at least Jack Doyle's in their circle of trust. I, I wanted Mo Alley Cox to become a thing and in the, the Colts. You know, same. Yeah. They want Doyle to be on the field. Just I think we have to mention that his role has perked up in recent weeks. So if you're really desperate, I mean, if you rostered Arnold as it were, that tells me you didn't draft an early tight end. You were probably a little bit desperate at that position. If the names that you provided were perfectly reasonable, aren't available, maybe Jack Doyle is your okay. I got to pick up something. I got to hope just to maybe just bail out with a touchdown. Perhaps Jack Doyle can do that. All
1: right, before we uh, before we wrap this thing up, let's talk about some drops talk about players that we are jettisoning from our rosters right now
0: who are you launching this week who are you letting go i've given up on all the giants i love kadarius 20 <laughs> long term but he's just not healthy right now you never know when shepherd's going to play it's been a lost season for darius slayton it's been a lost season for kenny galladay daniel jones did not play well although they did win the game i think the giants are at the point now where they they actually like their defense a little bit and they feel like the offense is just don't lose the game for us um, I, I know they did Switch coordinators, um, Jason Garrett, was, was let go a week ago. So now we needed Freddie Kitchens back in our life, right? Well, I feel like you're describing the NFC version of the Browns, actually. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm so glad the Browns have a bye week. Nobody is going to miss them. And <laughs> I've, been, I've been saying, people probably say, I'm, I'm surprised there hasn't been a reader revolt asking me to stop talking about Baker Mayfield because every week I say, why would a Case Keenum, a healthy Case Keenum, not be more valuable to this team than a hurt Baker Mayfield? I admire Mayfield's. Resolve the play. The player always wants to play through injury. It's up to the coaches and the organization to be the adults in the room and say, "No, you're hurt. No, you're you're going to cause long-term damage here. No, we have to do the prudent thing. The prudent thing is to play Case Keenum." But I digress. I give up on all the Giants receivers. I know there's talent in that room, but I can't figure out when it's going to happen. And um, I I think Tony's going to have a great career. I I just given up. So he's kind of the signature drop of this group. But really, if you ask me a question about a Giant receiver this coming week, I don't care if it's Phil McConkie, I don't care if it's David Tyree, I don't care if it's Mario Manningham. Of course, as a Patriots fan, I I will forever have scar tissue when it comes to Tyree and Manningham for what they did to my team in Super Bowls. But
1: yeah, tough to be a Patriots fan. Really feel for you. I
0: appreciate that.
1: I'm out on all the the Giants receivers. Before I get to my drop, I want to ask you about a guy. Um, And this is not not a specific problem that I have. Um, But let's say... Let's say you were in a 10-team league. So a lot of value out there on the waiver wire. You know, it's it's always coughing up something good each week. Say you're in like a 10-team league. Uh, you only start a couple of receivers. You've got Cortland Sutton on your roster. And uh, most of us think Cortland Sutton is a is an extremely talented player, a great downfield threat. Um, he's got size. He's got a little bit of everything. These are the last four games from Cortland Sutton, and this coincides with uh, Jerry Judy's return. These are his last four games. Uh, This past week, two catches for 17 yards on three targets. The previous week, two catches for 29 yards on three targets. The previous week, one catch for nine yards on two targets. The previous week, two catches, 40 yards, four targets. Can you keep a guy like that on your roster?
0: I don't think so. And the problem here is the Broncos have won three of those games. So there's no incentive to change things. Teddy Bridgewater is a limited quarterback. Drew Locke, if he needs to play, is a limited quarterback. Now, they are playing the Chiefs in the coming week. Man, who, who thought we'd see a day where a San Francisco-Seattle game would be flexed out, where NBC would say, get this game off our plate. <laughs> I need Teddy Bridgewater on prime time. Make it happen. So maybe the Chiefs, too, and, and their defense, the funny thing is the Chiefs have actually been playing some pretty good defense for the last few weeks. It's um, yep. So that, that's been a nice story for them as they get back into the list of primary AFC favorites. But... here's Here's the thing with Sutton, okay? Once you can't play the player in confidence and once you can't trade him because either nobody wants him or in a lot of Yahoo leagues, the trade deadline is come and gone. If you can't play him, if you can't trade him, if he's in the way of you getting something else you need, if, if say you needed one of those running backs we talked about earlier, you're like, oh, who am I going to drop? Oh, I can't drop Cortland Sutton. Somebody else might get him. Well, So what? Had to score a touchdown in five weeks, 17 targets in five games, yeah. limited quarterback team. That's happy with the game scripts that they're using. Cause they're winning anyway. I have no problem. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just saying we want numbers in this game. We're not tied to names. Courtland Sutton's a talented kid. He, he's a name. And maybe next year when they have Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or whatever quarterback they bring in, which I assume they're going to do. Yeah, I, I might be drafting Cortland Sutton in the fifth or sixth round or something like that. Right now I don't trust Cortland Sutton. And if you don't trust him, that means to me he's at least somebody you could drop. I'm not saying you have to drop him. I'm not mandating a drop. Just remember, we're just trying to win the game here. We're not we're not trying to put out an all star team. We're not trying to market this team to investors. You just want points. <laughs> You just want players who are getting opportunity. And right now, Cortland Sutton is not getting any opportunity.
1: Yeah, we feel the we feel the same way on on Sutton. I'm in the I'm in the same spot. Like I don't I don't have him in a league that small. But I think if I I think if I rostered him in a in a ten teamer, he he might have been gone a week ago. And I I don't think I could hold on right now. Uh, my official drop, however, is going to be Cam Newton. And I, I realize this is a guy that I just hyped like a week ago. Is a is a pretty interesting plausible. Hey, is he a top fifteen quarterback rest of season? Cam just gave us. Uh, a stat line that we do not see very often in the NFL. He went five for twenty-one, uh, ninety-two yards, a couple of interceptions, no touchdown pass, had a rushing TD. I was, you know, I, I was pretty excited about him. I will admit that. Just like two days ago. Today, I, I can't really imagine holding on to him as he heads into his bye week. We now know that Christian McCaffrey is not going to be there on the on the backside of that bye week, right? Like he's gonna come out of this. And any any cheap and easy yards uh to McCaffrey are are just simply not gonna be there. Haven't seen enough. I, I hope it gets better. I assume that he's going to remain the quarterback. It's still a nice story to have to have Cam Newton back in Carolina and at the controls. Um, And again, he just showed up. So maybe our expectations were were got a little bit ahead of where they should have been. But uh, w- without McCaffrey there, I just don't like this setup. And I don't like what I just saw.
0: Yeah, five for 21. I mean, if he, if he was a three point shooter for the Charlotte Hornets, he would take that, but that does not work <laughs> as an NFL quarterback. One of those completions, by the way, was a complete coverage bust. The long pass to DJ Moore was really just a gift from yeah. the, the Dolphins' defense. And look, I, last week I was talking about, and, and I still believe in this, how important it is to have a rushing quarterback. Jalen Hurts was a, a DFS play I got behind this week. That did not work out, although he did have Same. a lot of rushing yeah. yards. He just, you know, he needs to get the ball in the end zone a couple of times. That didn't happen, but. I don't know that Newton has anything to now. Look, again, we love running quarterbacks, but you have to get you have to have something solid that we can project you for in the passing game. And right now, Newton's arm doesn't have that. The attrition he's taken. And I also think, and I know people go crazy when you mention quarterback wins and stuff like that. I mean, Newton's had three winning seasons in his career. You know, I mean, yeah, he had the great 15 to 1 MVP season They went to the Super Bowl that year. Obviously, football is a bunch of moving parts. If a team has a losing record, it's not just one person's fault. It it can be the offensive line. It can be the play calling. It can be the skills, uh, position players, the defense. It can be bad luck with your kicker, whatever it is. Football is very complicated. So to give win and loss credit to one person is not perfect. But I don't think it's it's a metric that has absolutely no value either. And uh, you know, Cam right now is probably somebody who should be a backup with a team or a low end starter. And I I just don't trust this passing game. They're going to lose all those easy passes to McCaffrey. They've had a a lost season from their secondary. Robbie Anderson has not been reliable. Marshall didn't even dress this past week. So you get DJ Moore and a whole lot of, all of a sudden this Carolina offense, that was pretty exciting. It looks like DJ Moore and nothing right now. And here's the other thing you mentioned the bye week. And one thing that we have now with the longer fantasy season is there there are bye weeks that are coming in later. A lot of people listening need to win. You're in the playoffs already, right? You need to win and you're eliminated. If somebody does not age your objective, especially at a position like quarterback, where there's always a fairly high replacement value in most leagues— if this person doesn't help your objective, man, and you got something you need, you can't hesitate. You got to run the risk of it. And if somebody else gets Newton and beats you with him down the road, so be it. You, you got to live for today. You get to play for putting the best team on the field in week 13. That has to be your priority. I agree with it.
1: Agree with every word of it. That is a good note to go out on from the Hall of Famer, Scott Pianowski. That's going to do it for this episode. But of course, we're going to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow him why would you not be following scott especially now that he's inducted into the hall um follow scott at scott underscore pianowski follow me at andy barons uh for fantasy news and analysis from the entire stinking team make sure you're also following at yahoo fantasy scott will be back tomorrow with frank schwab who's never not podcasting uh they will have the betting preview of week 13 in the nfl but until then we are out